Hello, and welcome to Being the Dot. I am Dr. Stacy, your host. Each week, I invite a series of guests to talk about living in the white space of America and being Black and Brown. Today's topic, COVID, the elections, and racism. Oh my, that's a lot that we are dealing with in this moment in time in our lives. But I bought the answer today. We have a bunch of therapists, not a bunch, but two wonderful therapists who work with people who are dealing with these exact issues. Dr. Shanda C. Corbett is a native of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She graduated with honors from Lincoln University's honors program with a bachelor's of arts degree in psychology with a master's of education degree in human services from Lehigh University and a PhD in counseling psychology from Temple University. Dr. Corbett has provided individual couples and family Christian counseling, as well as psychotherapy and training services in New Hampshire, Cattonville, Maryland, and Towson, Maryland. She has also provided counseling services at universities in Pennsylvania, Tennessee, New Hampshire, and Maryland, along with nursing homes and assisted living facilities throughout the state of Maryland. She currently provides individual couples and family counseling training and supervision at a local medical center for over five years, as well as her own business of counseling, consultation, and training with Restoration Empowering Services, LLC. In addition, Dr. Corbett has served nationally for the Society of Counseling Psychology of the American Psychological Association, along with the American College Personnel Association, the Commission for Counseling and Psychological Services. She is the recipient of the 2020 Carl S. Barnum's Lifetime Achievement Award during the Maryland Association for Multicultural Counseling and Development Conference. Dr. Corbett is a current partner or member of the Bridgeway Community Church of Columbia, Maryland. She serves in leadership as the lead person for the Mental Health and Faith Network and as the director of the MIX 30 Plus Singles Ministry. She's been involved in prayer, women's music, singles, missions, and youth ministries in Philadelphia, Memphis, and Maryland. In her spare time, she enjoys and loves national and international travel, mentoring, volunteering with the Bridgeway Community Church, and success in style, spending time with family and friends, entertaining, and many forms of artistic expression, and procuring bargains. Michelle Richards is a licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of Raymer Consulting and Psychotherapy. She has worked as a school psychologist since 2001. She served at high schools in Brooklyn, New York, Walton County School District, and Henry County School District. She is certified as a school psychologist in three states, Georgia, Illinois, and New York. Ms. Richards also serves on the Board of Directors for Broken Silence Ministry and for Superior Learning Academy. She is a member of Delta Kappa. Ms. Richards also holds a bachelor's 
and master's degree from the State University of New York, SUNY Oswego. She is currently finishing her doctoral studies at North Central University. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle Richards and Dr. Shanda Corbett. Well, hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast. And certainly we've read your bios, but I would love for you to just start by anchoring our listeners in what about your work with folks and what what you actually do in your profession, in your helping profession. Okay. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Richards. So I'm a school psychologist. I've worked as a school psychologist for almost 20 years, working with children four years old to 21 years old. And then I am also a licensed marriage and family therapist where I work with adults and with um, couples. So I specialize in couples, premarital and um, marital uh, difficulties and issues. Awesome. Well, hello again. Um, my name is Dr. Shannon Corbett. I primarily right now work in a medical facility with the geriatric population. Um, I've also done private practice with um, youth, um, adults, couples, and those in the geriatric population too. And as you know, I am Dr. Stacy, and my work as a, as a provider, I work almost exclusively with college students these days um, and other adults as well. And so my, my hope is that we'll be able to have a very rich conversation because we have the full developmental spectrum covered uh, in this podcast. So let's just get right to it. Can you talk a little bit about what you are seeing in your office as it relates to this particular social historical moment and mess that we're living in right now, whether that be COVID or racism um, or the elections? Oh, my. Dr. Corbett, did you want to go? and? Okay, um, I can share with what I'm currently seeing. I'm primarily seeing right now the geriatric population and um, many uh, just struggle to wrap their minds around what all is going on right now. Mm-hmm. Working also in a long-term care environment makes it even more stressful for individuals because they're unable to see their family and their family are unable to see them. So... Those that I've been working with have been quarantined since March. Mm. Very long time (laughs) to not be able to be free to um, go about and to also have your families come visit you. Um, And so for them, they've, you know, they've been um, scared for their families, concerned for their families, concerned Mm. for themselves because you hear of, you know, COVID and the high risk that it presents itself for those in the geriatric population. So it's even mm-hmm. high risk for everyone because everyone's bodies react to the virus differently. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, you don't know. And people have been affected across the lifespan also with regards to mm-hmm. So you really don't know how you're going to respond, but particularly this population um, we've been paying particularly attention to. And um, so many of them have been um, even sometimes silently crying I've, I work in a medical facility, so I've tried to alert the um, providers, their doctors, their physician assistants, nurse practitioners, along with the nursing staff to just be sensitive to any signs that they're noticing. And sometimes people don't pick up the signs. Um, I've asked yeah. 
individuals and they said, oh, they're doing fine with, with you know, they, they, I haven't, they haven't spoken about, spoken to me about anything. And I said, well, that doesn't mean that things aren't happening. And when I spoke to a nurse, a nurse instead of the provider, that person said, yes, I saw him crying. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really yeah. watching TV. And, and I said, okay, I said, thank you. So I gave that information back to the provider. And I said, you know, you have to invite the conversation. Right? Yes. Encouraging right. them to open up the doors of communication. Um, I'm a psychologist there. So I've been circulating resources about how to have conversations, giving them information about what's going on, because everyone doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really blessed and fortunate to work in an environment where a lot of tools nationally are being circulated about how to help providers to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I've been across the board educating everyone about how to have these conversations and that the onus is on them. The onus is on us to bring this up, not Mm -hmm. the patient to bring this up, to watch the signs and to really encourage them to watch, you know, what they allow um, themselves to, you know, watch and listen to. And I know it's Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. for them to stay connected because that's their only connection is the media. Sure, sure. Thank you so much for your work with the geriatric population. Mm. I think it's a population that we, as Americans, have neglected all around. Sure. So I thank you for that. I thank you mm-hmm. for being vigilant and watching over our, you know, our parents and our grandparents. So thank That's you. Cool. Um, so what's happening with the babies, Michelle? What's happening with the babies? Our babies. Our babies yeah. are typically thinking they're invincible. So they are, I think, I think the most stress that I see, and I'll be honest with you, when, um, so our senior class this past year, was it 2019, 2020 senior class, Mm -hmm. where everything was really shut down, um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, disappointment among our teens, disappointment, Mm -hmm. you know, that they couldn't do their proms and their graduation. But, you know, I have to be honest with you, a lot of that stress was mediated by parents who lived for this graduation. (laughs) And um (laughs) college graduation myth and high school graduation, high school prom, I think it was mitigated by parents who were stressed out and, and and what do children do? Children often feed off of the yeah, they mirror. They mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so, so what about little little children? What about little teeny like four you said four years old, five years old, ten years yeah. old? Mm-hmm. Well a lot of those kids, so a lot of those kids for them it's helping them understand why they can't necessarily go out and play on the playgrounds or why mm-hmm. they can't necessarily mm-hmm. be outside. But one thing that I think that this, um, one thing that I think the, the the silver lining around COVID was teaching children how to be, and parents, how to be a little bit more creative mm-hmm. with the time in the house. I think it forced parents into a mm-hmm. space of learning technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they, I think, I think what happened is um, generational bridges were, were, mm-hmm were gapped where four-year-olds and five-year-olds were teaching adults how to Zoom, how to use FaceTime, how to mm-hmm. you know, different FaceTime mm-hmm. things. And adults discovered ways to connect. I think for little people, they are a lot more resilient sure. and flexible than we yes. are. 
than we are. So there, again, children's mental health is directly tied to the mental health of the people around yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So when you had adults coping well, you found children coping yep. well. Yeah, They learn from us. They do. Yeah. They do. And they mirror us. They mirror us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the thing, you know, because we can help, we get, we really are the gauge, we're the temperature, the thermostat for Absolutely. what's going on in the home. And so even if the child, you know, you think about it, if a child hurts themselves and they, they look to the parent to say, am I okay? Yes. The lets them know, even if the child's leg is hanging off, you're okay. You're okay. And the kid is like, okay, I'm going to believe you. Regardless of what I see and how I feel, because I trust you. So if you right. set the stage that you're okay, you're going to be okay. Yes, this hurts. We're going to wrap this up. And they'll be like, they'd stop crying because yeah, of what the parent modeled to yes, them. And so they mirror that. And they'll be like, okay, I'm okay. Because they said, I'm okay. I'm okay. They really right. believe that. So you bring up some really, really good points about just yeah. the role models that they have and that they need in this yep. I, I always say, I like what you said, that parents are the thermometer. And I always tell people, our children are our barometers of what's going yeah. on in the family. Oh, my God. Because that's what prompted me to go into marriage and family therapy. Because as a school psychologist, I never, I, my model, my personal model became a child in crisis is a family in crisis. You know, we don't, we, we try you to bet, individualize and focus on a child as the issue, but it's not the child. There's something going on in that family and they're bringing it to the school. So that's what prompted me actually to go into marriage and family therapy. Yeah. So as for the adult populations, I'll talk a little bit about college students first. And um, the anxiety about getting it is really high. Mm-hmm. And I certainly see that in our students of color, yeah. that they are not interested. And partially mm. because I think what they're carrying with them is the way that Black people, African Americans, have been disproportionately impacted by COVID. Is it yes. 2.6 times as much is likely to get COVID and certainly more likely to die from it as well. And so they are shut up. Mm-hmm. They are not <laughs> playing, which is good and not so great for them to live in that anxiety yeah. that way. Um, and then the other the other side of that is um, part of my current role is I'm the person who calls people to tell them they've been impacted, they've been exposed, or wow. so that's that's. And so the re- yeah, the, I, so the listeners can't see, but I'm making I'm making a Kamala face. And, um, and, and it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, they, they are scared. It, yeah. I mean, and it's yeah. like, pack your stuff. We'll take you to a quarantine. Like, and, and you have wow. 60 minutes, right? I mean, sometimes it's longer, but, um, and so you can imagine yeah. the kind of yeah. overturning life like that and trying to take it in and just right. the, kind of the whole nine yards. A lot. That they're t- it is a lot. It, it, it is a lot. lot. It, it's a lot away from family yes. and then certainly, um, you know, people don't want to expose their families. And, and so I definitely am seeing that kind of hyper yeah. vigilance around mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought I would see more um, of this kind of invincibility or young invincibles, but mm-hmm. I'm not seeing mm-hmm. that to the level that I thought that I would um, mm-hmm. when, when our students chose to come back. And so that, that's. Yeah, really of color. Or all students? Both. 
Mm-hmm. I, I told you the students of color are hiding out. They're like, right. nope, COVID won't get me in this house. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but but that's kind of over overall wow. with that. Um, wow. That that is the case. And so that that's something interesting yeah. to sit with. Yeah. Other thoughts about yeah. that? Yeah, you know, um, because I've worked in college student mental health. Uh, for quite some time, and um, I'm going to be doing some consulting with staff that are working with college students. So I wondered about that because I know that has been a major concern about the invisibility, and you see the parties at schools. And I think that may be a piece of it, but a large piece of it too, as some students are realizing, and maybe it may be the ones who, you know, are learning from other people's stories, but some of them, they're learning from their own family stories because if, uh, you know, that's impacted a lot of our families. Right. Right. And it's impacted a lot of people's families. So they're more concerned than others. But they're walking around, you know, now just trying to cope with this level of anxiety because they mm-hmm. want to contract, you know, the virus. Some are feeling like, well, I'm not going to get it. But they're they're waking, they're starting to wake up and realize, whoa, um, many people are getting it. And it's like, how do they, you know, focus? with this overlaying of anxiety because they weren't dealing with this last year when they were in school and right. they having to deal with this. And it's like, it's such a, it's a confounding variable in everyone's grades and every, everything that's going on in this season. There was an APA study that was done actually here in 2020. Um, and it says that the average American stress has gone up since yeah. the pandemic. Oh, yeah. That uh, getting COVID is a source of stress. 65% of the people indicated that. Um, there was a one month increase in African American stress um, from 42% to 55%. And that, as far as police violence towards minorities, oh. that that stress was at 72% of African Americans that they studied in the population. Absolutely. So, so, so let's just go there since we're in okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Just to talk a little bit about this racial. Reckoning that we're in as the country, I guess that's what it is, or um, this moment in time that uh, where race is more centered, the conversations around race are more centered, that there is certainly um, Ibrahim Kendi in his book, How to Be a Racist, Anti-Racist, talks about how if, when anti-racism efforts go up, racism increases. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're seeing it. <laughs> we're living it. I think we, as Black people in America, uh, expected some kind of white lash. We did. Yes, yes. we did. But this, this is, is far beyond <laughs> our imagination. Like, no one prepared us for this. <laughs> this, is, this is not, I mean, this is a curveball we were not expecting. Not oh, this. my gosh. And, and um, when you have a leader that... Uh, does not openly denounce racism and white supremacy. And one thing that I always loved, I, I love Dr. Frances Press Wilson, Nietzsche, rest in peace. Um, one thing that she said that has always been profound to me in my practice is you cannot discuss black mental health without mm-hmm. discussing white supremacy. That's right. Absolutely. And she just, that was the crux and the core of her practice. She said, you cannot yeah. 
discuss it because that is so much of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And it moved from being overt to microaggressions, the oh. microaggressions of being black in white spaces, the, mm-hmm. the microaggressions that. of, I remember my brother-in-law telling me he is, he works in IT, he's a professional. And he said, why do all of them want to talk to me about the basketball game? But we'll talk to each other about the stock market. So mm. he said, from now on, what he's going to say is, what basketball game? Right. Is basketball season already? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are the microaggressions. Like, I am not allowed in the conversations about mm. wealth mm-hmm. and about promotions and about mm-hmm. that make a difference in policy. Sure. But I feel like you can talk to me about LeBron James or... Right you know, the latest black black news, you know? So those, mm-hmm. those are the microaggressions of professionals. And and to be honest with you, the microaggressions of our, our babies who are black. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cool. Oh so, so can you talk to us a little bit about that, Michelle, and kind of what you're okay. seeing in your practice and how it plays out for them? So I've, I've had the privilege of working um, in several different states. One of the opportunities I had was in North Shore of Chicago, the mm. North Shore area where we have um, very affluent schools, right? There are very affluent, affluent schools that um, are made up of white children and Asian mm-hmm. children. And then we have our Black children who are the dots in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to a parent who said, I thought I paid the cost to be mm. where I am. And I have learned that I will continually pay the cost, that, mm-hmm. that my child is not exempt from the, the, the look of, are you sure you're in the right class? Mm-hmm. This is advanced mm-hmm. placement. This is international baccalaureate class. And our children are not exempt from that. There was mm-hmm. a big, in the North Shore area, there was a big um, issue with um, white athletes listening to rap music in the in the locker room and asking their black um um teammates can i get the can i get an n-word pass can i get the n-word pass so if the n-word come on i could say it and it's a pass you give me the pass so there are these why is that even a thing It is a thing. It is a thing where um, I had a a good friend of mine up in the North Shore area as well, where a young man, her son was, I call it sexual harassment. He was video conferenced by two young white girls showing him their bras and um, calling him the N-word and telling him how much they know he wants to see them in their bra. And it was not taken seriously. So- Mm -hmm. And these these are our children in white spaces. Mm-hmm. And I found the disconnect with Black professionals, with our children in that space is, like Dr. Chandra said, we, um, we have learned how to cope. We have learned how, I always tell my, so my, my daughter was with me one time and I was out in Atlanta and we were by Georgia Tech area and I was talking to a young lady. And, you know, so I was, I was talking as a professional and then I cold switched on her and she said, mom, how did you do that? How did you cold switch like that? I said, baby, you're going to have to learn how to do this. You're going to have to learn cold switch, right? Like, like Kamala did not necessarily cold switch when she was 
right? Like, no, no, no. Her mouth was cold switching, but her face was not. We have learned to cope. And the expectation is we, we put on our children by virtue of who I am. Right. You should know how to deal with this. Do we take for granted that our children? It's not instinctive. Yeah, and they it's don't make sense out of it. it. They may see it, but they don't know how to make sense out of they it. They don't know how to make sense, right. and because we, it really does it. But yeah. it's what we've had to learn to do, right? Or to participate. Wow, to participate. That's deep, right there. That that's really good. We have to be open with our children. We have we to openly have these conversations. Being in these spaces because it's not instinctive. It's not, Michelle. Just, just real quick, a program note just for our listeners is that we actually um, have a co switching episode that is coming up very oh. soon after this. Um, actually, taped it today before this oh, one, and wonderful. so, um, and so, uh, it's a professional um, who who works in higher ed, in fact and talks really very clearly about the cost of it okay. as well as how to do it in a way that you don't lose yourself. And mm-hmm. um, she's 60 some years old. So what she thought about it when she was 20 and what she thinks about it now is very different. So th- these incidents of uh, that you um, talked about with, with the children and, and then on top of the kind of daily slights. And so it's yeah. not just the high level kind of in your face stuff, but it's the daily slights. Or and accumulation of them. An accumulation. So how, and how would you how would you say that the children respond or how they manage it or how they make sense of it? Our children, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we think to ourselves, I, and again, I've worked in inner city schools mm-hmm. where I've worked with our brown and black babies in inner city schools, and I've worked with our brown and black babies at very high SES. Mm-hmm. Um, areas and I hands down I don't know this is anecdotal but our brown and black babies in high SES spaces are suicidal wow. they're depressed they have identity okay. issues I mean hands down say what you want at least when I'm in the inner city I know who I am mm-hmm. I see it reflected mm-hmm. I can do anything I can be Jay-Z I can be um, Puffy I can be you know, and, and and these are not derogatory things. These are people mm-hmm. who J.D. came from the street and owns an empire. Right. Right. right? He owns the empire. Um, but I have an identity that's grounded. I can identify and I'm grounded. When you're in a white SES, you're not as grounded because you can look around and you don't mm-hmm. see yourself and you're not welcome. Mm-hmm. Which is Which is why things like what, don't forget yes. that, but that's why things like Jack and Jill and those type of kind of affinity groups are so important because um, it really provides a space for black and brown children with people who also share their same SES. And yes. so it's an affinity group of an affinity group because what they can oftentimes find is themselves on the out with black folks who don't. Yeah, who don't share that same SES, that's and um, and so that that and so that's what makes it um, so beautiful. I'm sure there are other things like Jack and Jill, but that's the one um, that I know best. And mm-hmm. that was the one that when I was in the North Shore, I was a part of that. Um, I was a part of the Jack and Jill in that area, and that for me reaffirming mm-hmm. for my children because mm-hmm. 
you know, it's even having the conversation surrounding Black Lives Matter. It mm-hmm. was having the conversations around when a Black person was killed in the streets and you have to move in and go into a school, into a white space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What that feels yeah. like. Hearing mm-hmm. the talks, hearing the mm-hmm. murmurs, hearing mm-hmm. the, the, the you know, I can't breathe jokes. And mm-hmm. I remember my son sitting in class and they were talking about lynching and he heard somebody making a gurgling sound like, you know, and feeling really like, okay, do I, do I get up and punch him in the face? Right. Do I, I do. Say nothing. I but I don't want to be a punk and I don't want, you know, and, and these are the dilemmas. These are, these are right. the difficulties navigating those spaces. But I right. always tell parents, do not take for granted that because you as an adult know to code switch, know to navigate these right. spaces, do not take for granted your children. This is not instinctual. Right, right. Well, I'm so glad you had these conversations even with your son that he shared this with you. Yeah. So many of them, I don't think they even they don't go home and talk to their parents. To go, yeah, they don't. The parents don't say how was your day and really say, you know, this just happened in the news. This has happened. Did, did, did any of this come up? I mean, you got to sometimes be really direct. And you know what, Doctor Corbett? You know what I heard a lot of them say. I don't tell my parent because I know they're going to go to the school and make a big deal. And everybody is going to be looking yeah. at like the sure. black kid that couldn't take it. Right. Right. See, that's what they fear. They feel that's good. That's good. They're in, they're, they're in that space six hours a day. Exactly. And, and then they, go, they, they can't talk about it either. And then, yeah. so what do they do? So they end up coping in other unhealthy ways. Right. Well, and and too, and I I think too, I see this this also another place that I think can be helpful are civic groups and our faith communities. And so Mm -hmm. that's another space of anchoring that despite what life that you are living, even if your life is completely white, and if your faith community is is more diverse, then you are able to see yourselves reflected in the leadership, in the cultural values, in the vernacular. Um, all of those things, and that is so important. I'm thinking like that's if that happens it, it, in the faith community. Well, that's true. Well, well, that's true. Think about it. In those neighborhoods, then the family has to go travel. Yeah, to go get in your car and go. It's that, and that's, it's important to do that. Yeah, it's like get in your car and go because it, realize that your child needs that foundation. Yes, you need it too. You, you need it exactly. You and your child need it, and that and that is. So critical is yeah. so true as we all of us have found ourselves in white spaces and it's how we you coped. And I know for me, um, one of my supervisors when I was in a particularly predominantly white space, he he was just like, uh, you know, I want to keep you here. What do you need? What do you, you know, wow. what do you need? I was like, I need to find a faith community, and I was looking for a diverse faith community. Of course, it was still in like New England, and so it's still going to be predominantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, white and I had tried the black church quote unquote where the people everyone wanted to send me and I was like I did not want to be in that space I needed to be in a more diverse space and that's where I was feeling I was led to go to and I was able to find a space um, to be in but even in those spaces do you see diversity across the leadership in those spaces right. well I, I, yeah I'm not are you in those spaces in some of those spaces though then I found myself like in a in a leadership role in some ways right and so um 
but you you really you're raising children is so critical in it, to expose them to diversity <laughs> so that they see it and that you have these important conversations with them. You have um, to be present. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to say, and that includes white people. With the, exactly. It's so important in those spaces too. They, you, they, need, they need to navigate it all. Yeah. Not just only in this way. It's like they need to learn and be able right. to be in diverse spaces would include the whole spectrum That's of right. diversity. That's right. And, and I'm reading a book right now called um, I'm Still Here. Uh, Black dignity in a world made of white for whiteness. You both are nodding, and so you probably know what I'm talking about. It's a good book. It's a little penny, teeny tiny book, but it's good. I'm doing it as a book club for our students here. And wow. so I'll say it again for our listeners. I'm still here. Black dignity in a world made for whiteness. And the the author is Austin Austin Channing. I think is her last name. Okay. But what she talks about is living in a white world. And how they, that everything was white. And then all of a sudden her family started going to this black church and how soul affirming it was. And Abraham Kendi tells the same story that, um, that his parents were um, very Christian, but they were really black theology liberation type Christians and how it was a, mm-hmm. a, a place of affirmation for him, and I'm not, I'm not through the whole book, so I don't know that that's the entire story. But certainly, that, that that's what he talks about um, in the initial stages of the book. Okay. So, Dr. Shanda, what about what about our season, folks, our elders? I, I often wonder about that, Dr. Kirby. I often wonder about, you know, are our seasoned folks um, feeling re-traumatized? Mm-hmm. You know. So, tell us about that. Some are, and I, I, I work with a, a lot of military, so it's on most level. Uh, so some of them are feeling re-traumatized. Um, mm. They're having flashbacks, talking about experiences mm. that areas of discrimination. Exactly. You're talking to our seasoned ones, particularly those who have fought for this country. Right. Some of them who felt they yeah. people respected them more overseas than they respected here. And I've, I've had family members who had to relocate because they could not find jobs here once they came back home. And they relocated themselves and their families for opportunities because sure. no sooner than they walked in for the interview, the job was filled. And so, and it happens and it happens. People want to say, oh, they, they don't want it to happen or they think if they wish it away, that it goes away. It's The reality is this is the very lived experience that people have, that people need to listen to and realize, wow, you know, like this, this is what people have been dealing with for decades, you know. It's not made up, and even if you don't know what to do about it, at least acknowledge that a person's pain is real. Acknowledge, hear their story. Don't shut it down because you feel it's hard. You don't know what to do with it. No one's asking you to do anything with it yet. (laughs) Just listen. And so, some of our seasoned people, they're really struggling around this. They're they're really concerned. Um, Those that I've been working with, I mean, the elections is kind of going to the racism of election. You talked about that. They're like. People are just like, oh, my God, I need to vote or, oh, my God, what's what's happening? So let's talk a little bit about how um, how your clients are managing any feelings that they have about the election. 
Ooh, there's outrage. There's rage. There's bewilderment. There's fear. Um, there's a lot of things. I think, uh, especially after the um, commander in chief's comment of stand back and stand by, people are really afraid. People, yes, I yeah. mean, people. Yeah. I know we have and, but people are really afraid that that yeah. was a cold word for something. And people are afraid across the diversity lines. Mm, that's good. That's it. Well, and it is interesting that to um, that the shaking yeah. of this generation, even at some level, yeah. that it almost feels like it was a powder keg in mm. some ways Absolutely. that that it's been smoldering it's underneath the surface. Yeah. And that those eight minutes and 47 seconds, oh, 46 seconds that you saw a man yeah. go from being alive to, to being dead. On lo- recorded. Recorded. Asking for help. Other mm-hmm. people asking to help the man. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. people standing by that could help. Mm-hmm. Just turned everything on its head. I really, so I really believe that. Yep. And, 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 and it's even, been- I was to say, and even the Amy Cooper, Christopher Cooper, too, that happened in that same time. It's like people was like, oh my God. Okay. They, they and was, Ahmaud Arbery. All that Ahmaud, happened. I mean, so, all that happened in one weekend. All that happened. One mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I can't avoid this. I can't say just this happened because mm-hmm. it's like no, no one deserves isolated events. It's it fe- it feels like a declaration of uh-huh. war against our our. Wow. And I'm not not to the um not to um minimize the experiences of black women when it comes to law enforcement, but right. it's like a declaration of war against our black boys are black and as i listen to everything that we talk about it 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 reminds me of as black women as a black community these are the things that compounds our mental health right exactly while while we deal with life just as our white female friends counterpart as mothers we have those ordinary motherly things and wifely things that we think about, but our mental health is compounded by Mm -hmm. the fact that, (laughs) baby, do you have your license on you? Baby, did we practice? Remember what I told you? Your hands mm-hmm. on the wheel. Ask yeah. her. These are the role playings. I'm com- so my mental health and my well being is compounded by being black in America. Well, and it's and what's interesting. What I'm seeing in the adult population um, are people being even more hyper vigilant around Absolutely. trying to be and stay safe and alive. Um, I talked to people who are who are putting their wallets on their dashboard so they don't have to reach for anything. Right. If they happen to be pulled over, my son said he will, will tape his on the on the the. He he really said, "Look, no, I can tape it." So then that way, when he comes, he can see, he see it. <laughs> He's right. able to see because it's almost there is this fear of Jeremiah Joshua. Do not make any sudden moves. You bet. You bet. Hands on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. My license is in my back pocket. I would like to reach in and get, you know, and and so our med, my my son is away in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I'm thinking to myself, you are in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Kalamazoo, and you are like six one. Mm-hmm. Stay respectful. Yes, sir. Yes. No, sir. Massa him all day long until mommy can get to Kalamazoo. That's right. Well, and and, and the other, the other, and that's the whole thing. And that's, that's what it. Sammy 
There's like, I want you to live. I want, I want my baby to live. That's right. like, sorry that people, you know, uh, it is just, it's just frustrating that some people like don't even want to have this conversation because right. it makes them feel bad. It's like, we just want to live. It's right. not- well, and, and, and you're feeling bad for an hour has nothing to do with 400 years of feeling bad. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like like you're not right, right. for your white fragility. Right. I'm no. not responsible Contain for it, manage it, and there you go. But um, what I have also noted in my practice is that there been there's been some shaking that's happening for people, for black and brown people in, in their relationships with white people. Yes. And what I mean by that is whether that is with their faith community or with their friend group or even some intimate partner relationships have been impacted. And so I know uh, more than one client who broke up with their boyfriend slash girlfriend because that person was white and they'd been in that relationship for however long they had been in it. And the person was not comfortable with the level of um, engagement and activism um, or even having a conversation about Black Lives Matter. And so it was like, oh, you, oh, no. And so I've, I've noticed um, that as well. But I have noticed as well is that there's also another, pl- another place of heightened fear and concern. Right. And that there, there is that hyper vigilance. And so I shared that I um, that I work in rural Pennsylvania. And so um, part of what our students were really pretty adamant about was that we needed to take some specific steps. And we did it. We did it. We hit the mark before they got here to harden some of our uh, some of our um, edifices to help them feel safe in them. Wonderful. Mm hmm. Um, and, and, and it, 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 you know, it's for the good. It's one of those things where it's universal design because whatever you do to harden one space, it hardens the whole uh, yes. system, if you will. And so it, that's been good, but it's been interesting to hear them kind of talk and process. And, and I have found that, um, particularly in the adult population, that people are feeling less gracious to, um, let things go. Absolutely. Um, or how about this? How about We're this? Calling it out. I am feeling much less gracious to let things go. Mm-hmm. That I just my ability. I mean, part of it is the stress of the work, right. but I also uh, feel that my capacity to allow you to sit in your white privilege mm-hmm. is significantly diminished. Significantly. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm also a diversity trainer. And so it's been interesting mm-hmm. to and, and I'm so um, I'm busy right now with that. It's been interesting to lead those conversations. That feels different to me because I'm in a capacity to to um, to create the space for people right. to do the work. Like work. that's that's mm-hmm. my role. But when I we at work you on that, I congratulate you on that yeah. because I know that um, to be honest with you, I'm fed up with being the educator. I understand. And, 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 and I say that, I say that to say, you instinctually know what to do when you see whales wash up on a shore. You instinctively know what to do when you see minks being murdered for their fur. 
you know what to do. You you legislate. You you know you you are moved to action. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me you don't know what to do when you see a black man is being murdered yeah. in the street? You don't know what you don't you want me to tell you how you can help? No, I have a hard time believing that. That's well, good. Not- Save the baby whales. Save the baby black men. Right. Yes. I like that. I like that, Michelle. Frustrated in I am I I feel frustrated that I I don't even want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to know anything you have to say Mm -hmm. about this. And Mm -hmm. I you were talking about we were talking about really um confronting and, and, and you know coming to head with with um, white people that we go to church with, that we work with. I've been blocked from two church members' uh, pages because I challenged one of them who had the audacity to put BLM, um, Belt Loops Matter, pull up your pants. Mm -hmm. And when I confronted her on that, Mm -hmm. I was blocked because I felt her, her, her post was inappropriate. Well, it's an interesting they have a conversation about that. They want to be, they want to drop, sometimes people want to drop stuff and then go away. And then I was accused of also, I was accused, I I was told, I'm sure you Mm -hmm. make jokes like that too. No, I don't. Exactly. It's not funny. It's not not a joke. Exactly. Use another joke. Use it. Use something else. Black Lives Matter, BLM for me, and and I am probably one of those people where this is Michelle Richards speaking. This has nothing to to do with being the dot in the space. I take all responsibility for what I'm about to say. <laughs> Turn it oh, down. Burn it down. I am a part. I, you know, I. I you just said you say burn it down. Burn it down. <laughs> I mean, you know, here's my thing. Here's my thing. We are tired. We are tired of being responsible for you. We are tired of educating you. We are tired. And again, this is coming from Michelle Richards. Thank we you, Michelle tired. Richards. Yeah. So, 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 um, I, I, I want to go one other place, and then I want to ask you about how you are helping your clients through this. Um, and uh, but I just want to say, I just want to say something though. I have blocked quite a few people yeah. for my own mental health. Absolutely. I feel like if I'm going to preserve my relationship with you in real life, I need to discontinue it in social media. And, that's what, and yeah, I've, I've actually told people that I've needed, I said, like, I'm going to have to, and I'm going to have to, you know, block you because, and what I put on, on social media is really to help people. Right. To connect people to resources. Because, and I feel that some people really need these resources. You know, and I'm going to say, and I said, look, and I've had to tell people to just stop it. You know, yeah. I said, this is enough. People wanted to, they wanted to criticize a eulogy. They wanted to do it. I said, okay, wait a minute. People are hurting. It's almost like, what is, it's like some people are, it's a game for them or they're into this. Like, I want to, I want to debate. And they're not realizing the impact of their words. As we know, many people don't, they don't realize the impact of the words and what they say and, and how that impacts other people they just feel like they just want to say what they want to say and you're supposed to take it and not challenge them on it uh, or not even ask them to explain what they mean by what they say because mm-hmm. they don't even know they're just they're just repeating what someone else told them and they're not even right. sure what it means well and then people say we could agree to disagree and it's like yeah we can disagree on like what Peyton manning or versus tom brady exactly. or pizza toppings 
<laughs> not about my life. Not about my life. And that's the thing. We're talking about people's lives. And for people to get in a debate about unborn lives and about current lives that, that, are, that are here, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? And so it's like, no, let's talk about life right now, not in the future. Let's talk about relationships right now. And let's talk about how you can help heal if that's the goal. Because sometimes I don't even know what the goal is of somebody. Mm -hmm. So I definitely will close things down. I know friends have said, I'm no longer, I defriended people, I did this. And we have to do what we need to do for our mental health. Sometimes let's take this conversation in the chat. We could call me if you have a question about things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. That's different. But uh, publicly, we're not doing sound bites. And I think that's a good pro tip as well for our listeners that um, every, every fight doesn't deserve you fighting it. And sometimes exactly. we need to not put our pearls before swine. And yeah. that that you need to make sure that you are fighting fights or you are picking the battles that are worth fighting. And those that are not are people who are not yeah. worth it. You need to shake the dust off your feet and keep it moving. Yeah, and, that, and that's a part of your mental health. And today is World Mental Health Day, the 10th of October, where we were oh, oh, and, oh, and this, this is the last day of Mental Illness Awareness Week, which is the fourth mm-hmm. 10. And so it's good. And a part of your mental health is learning how to take care of yourself. And self-care is like critical. I mean, it's particularly for us who are giving out so much to so many. And um, and so we have to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to help my well-being? And sometimes it's like cutting it off, disconnecting, and just, you know, you have to be just so vigilant about that. So that you can even be there for your clients and for your family, for other Indeed. People. So, um, so I would I would offer this that as two three uh, three therapists on this phone that if you need some extra support, yeah, please get it. Yeah. Please, like like um, you can see that therapists are normal from this call. That we laugh, we have our own pain, just like you. Uh, but we are trained to help you to negotiate your own and heal from it. And we're not the same as your good girlfriend because we have a different uh, skill set and or if you're a pastor, unless that person has some type of clinical training. So I just wanted to to note that as well. And, uh, you know, you bring up a good point. Many people don't understand the mental health continuum. You're in crisis. Please call the 1-800 crisis hotline. Please get the help you need. Call a counselor and do a mental health screening. Mental Health America has screenings for all kinds of conditions on there. Um, mm-hmm. There's free uh, counseling that's offered and pro bono. And if you're looking, and if you're looking for someone who is black or brown, therapyforblackgirls.com has a wonderful directory of therapists uh, nationwide. Not just women necessarily, but it's just a directory. And I will also. Um, um, recommend the Association of Black Psychologists um, as another um, opportunity for you, if, if it is important for you to engage with the therapist that looks like you, then those are two great things. This episode was edited by Nikki Anderson. Special thanks to our interns, Amanda Gillette, and other contributors. Our music is provided by Jaffa. Being the Dot is sponsored by David's Delicious Delights.com. 
davidsdeliciousdelights.com. Custom made, personalized cakes, pies, cookies, and pastries made with a dash of Southern flair. Visit davidsdeliciousdelights.com and use the coupon code being the dot for 20% off orders of $34.99 or more. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.